and welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that's perfectly balanced, as all things should be. My name is Infinity Bro Isaac. I am one of your hosts tonight. And with me, I have a very special Infinity Bro. I was going to say guest, and you wouldn't have known any different listeners, but it is one of our six rotating guests, or hosts, excuse me. It is Infinity Bro Zane. How you doing, Zane? Um, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Happy to jump back on. It's been a hot minute, but you know... If I did things that make sense, I wouldn't be the Enigma. So, <laughs> Zane the Enigma, as labeled by uh, loyal patron Scott Higa. Um, Zane, as we've referenced, has not been on for a while. Uh, we were talking about it on the patron exclusive episode, which you can check out in the link uh, in the show notes. But I'm pretty sure it's been since the Last of Us review episodes earlier this year that Zane has been on the, the podcast. So hot minute, but... We're glad to have him back. We're glad to see that you're still a part of the Infinity Bros. Welcome back, Sam. <laughs> you know, I got to make my appearances every now and again, just to remind people <laughs> that I am here. Every I'm now waiting and in again. the shadows. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that we can count on Zane for is to come and review Star Wars content with us. So, absolutely. For those of you listeners, um, welcome to the Infinity Bros podcast. We're a cast of six rotating. Infinity Bros, talk about pop culture, um, Marvel, Star Wars, you know, all the things that are going on in in the news today. And uh, we are going to be reviewing Ahsoka today, uh, which just dropped two episodes premiere this week. And uh, Zane and I are pretty big Star Wars fans. I'd say we're top two, probably Star Wars fans. I think Mark is definitely in the in the discussion there. Yes. Jarrett is also up there. Um, all four of us are pretty big Star Wars fans. I, I know both Mark and Jarrett have also consumed Rebels and Clone Wars, which I believe we're going to be discussing quite a bit in this episode. But welcome to all you guys. If you're new to the Infinity Bros, we have a special rating system that I'm going to plug right here. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast, everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an Infinity Step. And with that rating system, we're going to be rating different things, um, especially these two uh, first episodes of Ahsoka. But we're also going to be fully spoiling these first two episodes of Ahsoka. So you haven't seen them, make sure you pause this episode and come back when you've watched them. This is... Prepare yourself. An Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler warning. So there's your official spoiler warning for the first two episodes of Ahsoka. Zane, we're not going to waste too much time. We're going to deep dive right into this. So Ahsoka picks up kind of where we've left off in these random episodes of Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian that we've seen Ahsoka in. Um, this is a much further in the timeline New Republic Ahsoka who is basically, I mean, tracking down Thrawn. So the uh, synopsis reads, after the fall of the Galactic Empire, former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano investigates an emerging threat to a vulnerable galaxy. And we're going to be, again, reviewing episodes one and two, which dropped on Disney Plus this week on, I believe it was August twenty. Is it 23rd? Yeah, 22nd. 22nd. Today, oh yeah, it's the 25th right now. It's Friday. 22nd 
and it's going to be releasing weekly until it fulfills its eight episode slate on Disney Plus. So, Zane, before we get into the episode reviews here, a little bit of background in your Star Wars repertoire. Um, you have consumed Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, where does that like sit on your favorite things among Star Wars? Are they top five? Did you enjoy them enough to say that you're you're a huge Clone Wars Rebels fans? Where are you sitting with that? Yeah, I would say so. Like I, I think as far as storytelling goes in Star Wars universe, Clone Wars and Rebels are both top five in what they do. Now, granted, like we haven't had a ton of what we ha- have had for Star Wars, like outside of the movies, but yeah, as far as just of the stories they tell and how much they add to the overall universe, like it's bar none, really. Like you're going to be hard pressed to find anything else that really immerses you in what the story being told and kind of the adventures that's happening and what everything's unfolding and then the character development as well. Totally agree. I mean, I I was actually on a podcast with my brother, uh, Luke Edlin of Edlin Media. Um, he he kind of did a few podcast episodes. He's got some clips. Um, he's produced basically like how to start a podcast, what to, you know, feature on your podcast. And on that, w- one of the things that we did was a top three of like Star Wars projects basically and at that time that was like right after i finished rebels and i will say i fall victim very frequently to recency bias so you'll see me rank things very high on the podcast when i'm reviewing things and then like later the year when i've had a little bit more time to sit on it it usually comes down a little bit but on that podcast i just got done watching rebels And I literally rank that as my number one Star Wars project because the storytelling in Rebels is absolutely phenomenal. A lot of people you hear complain about the animation and the dialogue, which is definitely kind of geared and suited towards younger audience members. But the storyline is top tier Star Wars. And we we talked a, a little bit about this on the patron uh, exclusive portion as well. So make sure you click that link and and check this out as well. But man, it's, it's a phenomenal show and the same goes for clone wars as well. It goes through a kind of a rough patch of finding an identity in the first couple seasons, but after it gets rolling, it's, it's a tough show to top. It gets really, really good. And that final season um, following Ahsoka of the clone wars is maybe one of the best seasons of animation like ever it's it's really really solid so some really good stuff really we're talking we've been talking about these shows for a long time because of the lead up to ahsoka which many have kind of branded as the fifth season of rebels so let's dive into it a little bit here uh, we have, I'm just going to list off some of the top cast here. Rosario Dawson comes back as Ahsoka Tano. Uh, and she obviously played Ahsoka in blank in here. The, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. I believe she had an appearance in there as well. Uh, Natasha Liu Bordizzo comes as Sabine Wren. Wes Chatham as Captain Enoch. Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Hera Sandula. 
Ray Stevenson as Balin Skull, which we've got a hefty dose of in these first two episodes. Uh, Diana Lee Insanato, Inosanto, sorry, Inosanto as Morgan Elsbeth. Here's one that I didn't know. I didn't know if this was like announced previously, but I saw David Tennant yeah, in I, the credits, and I was like, "Who does he play? Who does he play?" So I'm looking at this now. He plays Hu, Hu Yang, the yeah, he voices the, like, Hu Jedi Yang. droid, which I was like, yeah. "That's perfect. That's amazing." So, and then later in the series, we didn't, we haven't seen them these two episodes, but Iman Esfandi um, is casted as Ezra Bridger. We are going to see him later in in the season. So um, we did get to see Clancy Brown as Governor Ryder Azadi, which is an actual character in Rebels. That was another one that I was like, okay, there's something, there's some connection. When I was watching, I was like, there's some connection here. Like this, this seems so similar. And then I went look back and saw some clips of that episode. I was like, Clancy Brown literally played the voice of the dude in Rebels. Like this is right. just. Wow, they they did an amazing job of like adapting the cast and you know some of the elements of Rebels to live action in this. So just a phenomenal job of setup. Not even talking about the show at all at this point. Everything they could have done to you know brand this as live action Star Wars, they did, and it's really awesome so far. So Zane, let's get into it. Episode one. What did you think of, and actually, you know what, if you want to, this is, I'm going to leave this up to you. If you want to talk about one and two together, because they were released, you know, premiered together. Um, I watched them separately, so I kind of probably have them a little bit separate in my mind. But if you watch them together, I'll let you kind of review them together if you want. So what did you think of the first two episodes of Soka? I suppose it's probably easier to kind of take it one at a time. But as general, like my first like thoughts was just like, this is what I wanted to see. Now, granted it's only two episodes in. So like, we still have more, but I was just like, of how they capture like with Sabine, um, what you got with Ahsoka. This is what, like, this is how I want to see from everything that you watched from, you know, rebels and then moving through this animated. I thought they did a good job of being like, Hey, cause you always have that, like, how is a animated character going to show up in a real live action thing? And so far through two episodes, I feel like they've done a really good job. Now, granted, we've kind of had Ahsoka a little bit, but she wasn't, like, the main mm. character, the main focus. Right. And, like, I feel like with Ahsoka, Sabine, and, and Hera as well, they've done a really good job of bringing those characters to life in just two episodes. And not only that, but, like, the two episodes were super fun to watch because the sets and everything, it was visually beautiful. Like, it was visually really fun to watch. And so the first two episodes, it was just like, it met my expectations of what it needed to do and what it needed to be. Now, granted, like, I knew it was going to take some setup. And, like, I know we've kind of discussed this before of, like, what's it going to be like for someone, you know, who didn't watch Rebels or didn't watch Clone Wars or, you know, was coming into this new. Mm -hmm. But as someone who has that more on the background, like, this is what I wanted to see for the first two episodes. It was pleasing for me to see this because it was like, my expectations are being met. Yeah, that's that's basically the same. I would say that I have. I we're definitely going to dive into a few, you know, of our favorite moments later in this episode. But like overall, very pleased with how everything turned out. And like you said, you kind of get worried about like the transition from animation to live action. How are people going to receive that? So many people 
have been talking about like the appearance of Harrison Dulla specifically. That's the one thing that sticks out to my mind because as animation, you know, you can almost do anything you want with how the characters look live action. There's a lot of restrictions because like you either got to go all out on the practical effects and make them look as good as possible in person, or you got to go full on CGI and just like, completely like have them in the mocap suit and you know like they're barely recognizable as that actor or actress in the cgi suit so like the fact that we're going practical to me is a a step in the right direction and more true to just the star wars vibe in general because i mean like i don't know about you zane but going back to the old 70s, 80s Star Wars movies. That's one of the pleasures of watching those movies is seeing all those practical effects, all the aliens with their rubbery looking costumes, you know, like that's, that's some of the charm of Star Wars. And the fact that even in Mandalorian too, we got several characters that had that feel of just like being real, you know, like you didn't look at them and think like, wow, the CGI on that looks kind of wonky. They look real, even if, you know, sure, maybe they they don't have, like, the best facial movements as, like, somebody in person really does, but, like, they look real. And I think think that's a really cool part of Star Wars to me. And I think getting back to that is it just makes it more appealing and, and charming to me. So I think that was really cool. I think they did overall a phenomenal job of adapting a cartoon animated show and turning it into live action. And I think overall, I think both of these episodes sit on the like 5.5 out of six uh, rating for me. Um, Where would you sit on these Zane? Yeah, I would agree with that too, just because there was some of just the kind of setting stuff up and getting stuff going. Cause it's like anything that you see in there, like it's not obviously like a complex to the story. Cause like it did kind of the whole Ahsoka and Sabine kind of that relationship kind of establishing some of that. So it's just like, you didn't have a ton of action. I thought you, it had the right amount of action mm-hmm. and just enough, but the story did, you know, it, for good reason, like the explanation on stuff, but I feel like they had to do more of that to kind of get caught or the people who've never seen Rebels and stuff to get them caught up. Whereas like if it would have just hit the ground running and went in, I feel like more people mm-hmm. would have been lost. So yeah. I think that's probably, it's not really even a fair assessment or whatever, but I think that is just enough to just lower it just a slight amount by like yeah. that 0.5 of just like, all right, right, we got everything established. All right, let's start going now. And really if this is me talking, knowing Clone Wars and Rebels. So like, Please correct me if I'm wrong, if you've not watched those shows and feel much differently. But to me, I think they did a pretty good job of not putting too much exposition and putting enough exposition in these first two episodes of like giving you enough information about the characters without like overloading you with information that you didn't need to know or 
would not have known if you had not watched Rebels. So I think it was a pretty good balance that they did about as well as you could do because you've got people on both sides that were really worried about both. I know I know Jay Buck, one of our, our good friends, was a little bit overwhelmed. He felt like there were a lot of Easter eggs slash references that he didn't really understand. But hey, send us an email, infinityrosepodcast at gmail.com or contact us on some social media if you feel differently. If you feel like this is this did not do a good job and you're totally like, you know, drowning in Star Wars references, let us know. But as a as somebody who was like, you know, in on it, looking at it, I'm like, okay, I think this did a pretty good job at like letting people know kind of what's going on, but also like if you had if we just cut out Clone Wars and Star Wars, or Clone Wars and Rebels, not Star Wars. Don't cut out Star Wars, guys. That's a bad idea. Uh, but if we just cut out those, pretend like they don't exist. If you're starting at zero, I feel like it gives us en- enough information about these characters to where you're kind of learning about them. And granted, I think I, I agree with you. It's a little bit of a slow start. I think there's a good amount of action to keep you engaged. But what I will say is, if you go back to Andor... People stopped watching by episode three or four because it's a slow burn. It's a it's a slow developing show. Right. But man, that show gets so good. So when so good when it gets going. So I am very, very willing to hold on to this and be like, you know what? Let's just see where this goes. I don't have to have 100 percent action in these first two episodes right now. I think we can take a few of these slow building character trait building episodes to see where this leads. So I'm okay. I'm okay with everything. I, as a Star Wars fan, phenomenal, had a lot of amazing rebels and Clone Wars references, which we'll talk about, but yeah, 5.5 out of six, really good. I wouldn't say they're perfect, but they're about as dang good as you can, you can really be coming off of a lot of expectations. So yeah. I, I that's where you're sitting. It sounds like too. So yeah, I I would agree with the the five point five. Yeah. First of all, thing that I want to talk about is we get a villain, Balin Skull, who is played by the late Ray Stevenson, passed away tragically this year. And man, it is tragic because these first two episodes, I'm very interested in his character. Yes. And I cannot wait to see the rest of the season goes. So Balin Skull is like this Jedi turned mercenary after Order 66, which he survived. He kind of has apparently been taking. We don't we don't know a whole lot about him quite yet, but he apparently has been taking just jobs to, you know, get money and power, as he kind of explains in the second episode. And man, this guy, he plays everything so well. Like, he still kind of got this code of honor that he probably learned from the Jedi, but he's obviously doing bad things for money. So, like, almost a little bit of, like, Count Dooku vibes. You know, Dooku's got this kind of attitude of, like, I'm better than you. I'm, like, more sophisticated. But he's also doing terrible things. So, So, like, how much better than you really are? Uh, what did you think of Balin's school? I think it was fantastic. And like, it's funny that you said the Count Dooku vibes, the vibes that I was getting him. Now, granted, there's a part and like, we were just whole talk about this on the Patreon, but I was getting the strong, the, the bode 
from Jedi Survivor. Mm, I was getting those yeah, vibes. Yeah. A, a guy who was a Jedi that kind of fell out and he's doing what he needs to do. And it's, you know, mm. he'll work for whoever he can. Now, granted, his motivations were different, but like if his motivation is power, it's just like it might not necessarily, you know, be evil that he's a Sith, but like he's still go- working on his own. Because it like he even says that toward the end of episode two. How um, Morgan talks about killing the Jedi, and he's even like, "Well, shame about killing," because there's so right. few of them left. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, like you said, like he still has somewhat of a code mm-hmm. or some like a bit of that honor. So I think that of the little bit we saw, that makes him a very intriguing villain. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I. It, it makes me want to know more about him. All right, so we've kind of talked about Balin's school a little bit, but I do want to mention also her, uh, his, excuse me, sidekick or apprentice, Shin Hattie, Haiti, played by Ivana Sakno. Honestly, she was a pretty dang good apprentice. I really have no complaints about her either. She was like intimidating enough, but seemed a little inexperienced kind of as you would expect a I don't even really want to call them dark side force users but like as a like a Sith apprentice or whatever you know you they're not Sith necessarily but like an apprentice but a dark apprentice would kind of act like she kind of right. played it perfectly right. and she didn't really have a huge role in it but that might expand in in the future here so made a pretty good combo Balin and, and Shin what do you think? Yeah, they definitely added that intrigue. I think Balin definitely stole more, stole more of the show, but like you could also see like when she went to the comm tower and stuff that Shin's also very capable on her own. Mm, so right. I think they did the work to set those two up as an interesting, you know, master and apprentice. And I think finding out more about their story as well throughout mm. the remaining episodes is also yeah. going to be fun to see. Yeah, because they're intriguing characters. And they are employed by Morgan Elsbeth, played by Diana Lee Inosanto. We find out, we know Morgan Elsbeth from The Mandalorian. Uh, Ahsoka faced off against her and defeated her with a Beskar spear, which was a pretty sweet, you know, way to get introduced to her. But we find out that uh, she is employing these guys to kind of help her hunt down this star map. And... She reveals in the second episode that she is a descendant of the Night Sisters, which we've seen in several different Star Wars media at this point, but most prominently the Clone Wars and the Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor series. That was a very interesting reveal. What did you think of that, Zane? Yeah, I thought that was very cool because it's just another tie to what we've had in previous stuff like it's like they constantly are finding ways of hey here's stuff that was in the clone wars or rebels stuff that people might not have seen but we're bringing to the main screen now and so now to have like this tie of the night sisters who played such a huge part in clone wars and are actually an interesting facet to everything because they don't adhere to sith or jedi like Mm -hmm. they're Right. Their very own thing. Kind of their own entity. Yeah. Right. 
is an interesting addition. You know, for those of you guys not familiar, super familiar with the lore of Night Sisters, they come from the planet Dathomir. Um, actually, kind of the same race as Darth Maul and Savage Savage Oppress from the Clone Wars. Just a very interesting. It's almost like they have their own force. Like they have some kind of magic abilities that is right. kind of related to the force, but it's really its own thing. And we learn a little bit more about it through Marin in the Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor games. And man, it's it's just cool that they're bringing this back. And she does mention, too, that she's a descendant. She doesn't seem to have like the same markings as right. the Night Sisters in Clone Wars or Marin in the games. So, you know, she might be a bit further on down the line. Right. Like she has had a descendant of, you know, that was a Night Sister or something at some point. So a little interesting, but she does seem to still have some kind of powers. Right. She's had those mystic powers that they have. Yeah. She she was able to, you know, use the star map with her kind of like mystic powers or whatever. So some a little bit intrigue because like you know in mandalorian we kind of thought she was just a politician that was uh, well trained in martial arts apparently right. <laughs> she could fight ahsoka pretty well with that best right. spear but she didn't really you know she never mentioned anything like that for sure so that was very interesting reveal another just fascinating aspect of the show that is continuing to get more and more interesting so i think that was a really cool reveal so that Kind of so far what we've got. And they're trying to open the star map to get to Thrawn. Thrawn, as we know from Rebels, was banished to another dimension, basically, with Ezra Bridger from Rebels. Mentioned again, he's played by Eamon Esfandi, or will be later in this series. He doesn't show up in these two episodes, but he will. He'll, well, he'll his hologram. Just, just be patient. Yeah, his, hol- his hologram did show up. He's, his voice did show up. They're searching for Thrawn, um, and we get Ahsoka, who's trying to track them down. We get Sabine, who she ends up trying to go recruit, and Harris and Dola and Chopper. Obviously, you mentioned Chopper. Great, great uh, interaction between Hera and Chopper on the ship when they're arguing about the tracker. And it's just, we mentioned this kind of, you know, previously that it's just, it's 100% rebels. Somehow they're able to capture the vibe of the animated rebels and bring them into live action in that interaction. That was so cool. And, And somebody mentioned online too, it's so funny how, you can almost tell what Chopper is saying by his yep. buzzes and stuff yep. like that. <laughs> totally different from any other droid. You know, R2-D2, any other astromech that we've seen in Star Wars franchises, they just use beeps and whizzes and buzzes right. and, and stuff like that to communicate. Chopper almost sounds like he's talking. So he's going to be a really fun one to watch on screen at, at any time. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Hera. We kind of already talked about her appearance. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. It's done a phenomenal job so far. So I think she's I think she's going to be a great, uh, great part of the show. What I really want to focus on is Ahsoka and Sabine. I think that's kind of the focus of these two episodes. Ahsoka, obviously played by Rosario Dawson, we've gotten in Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. I think everybody has been very pleased and excited about her casting. And so far, she has done a phenomenal job playing 
a more mature Ahsoka that you kind of you do see in Rebels. Like this is basically Rebels Ahsoka, even a little older than Rebels. Obviously, this is a little bit further down the timeline. But in Rebels, she is a mature, very well put together individual who is capable of handling herself. She goes up against Vader probably the most powerful being in the universe at that time, maybe save the emperor, but very, very capable of handling herself. And that continues into this series. I think, what did you think of Ahsoka? What do you think of Rosario Dawson uh, reprising her role? I think she crushes it. Like, I think that's one of those castings that they completely nailed. Like, I think she portrays the character very well. It even just kind of in some of her expressions and body language, which I think she does a good job of bringing that character, what we had in the animated series to real life. And yeah, I think she captures, yeah, it's kind of that older and you got the older version of Ahsoka in rebels, but I think she plays that role very well. I went back and I was watching just the first season of clone wars this week while I was just like folding laundry, just to have something on the TV And it's so interesting to go back to that first season and just her mannerisms, you know, as a as a Padawan. And she's like so inexperienced and kind of just goes off and does her own thing and gets herself in trouble. And then you see her in this show and she's so experienced and she kind of can see what's going to happen, you know, just by way of experience, not even like seeing, you know, what's going ahead in the force. It's just like, she kind of is like, yeah, I kind of been around the block a little bit and I know what's going to happen here. So it's, it's so cool to see, go back and see like how far she's come as a character. Right. Like you don't really see that much in media. I feel like because Star Wars and Marvel, I feel like there's some of the, and you probably you throw Star Trek. I'm, I don't think any of us on this show are Trekkies, but like there's so much Star Trek, so much Star Wars, so much Marvel that you have the capability to tell stories across a long period of time. And Ahsoka is one of those characters that we've seen a lot of Ahsoka and granted live action. We have not seen a lot, but in Clone Wars, I mean, this Clone Wars became by season seven, Ahsoka's show. Like it was season season seven specifically. That was Ahsoka's season. Yeah. And to see how she became a inexperienced, you know, kind of brash doing her own thing, Padawan to now being the most experienced, probably the one of the most powerful Jedi that still are exist in the, the universe at this point. Uh, is so cool to see, you know, how far she's come. Yeah, and I think that's also the fun of Clone Wars, of watching her character development. Because, yeah, you definitely see her as this young Padawan and just the relationship she had with Anakin. It makes it fun. Through all this media, you watched her grow as a character throughout the whole thing. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what definitely adds to it. And it also has just been more of a... Like, yeah, you're kind of on that journey together, you know, type of thing of mm-hmm. seeing the development. We sing the praises of Clone Wars all the time, but like you saw, saw the same thing with like Darth Maul. Like you saw these characters development through all this stuff. Now, granted, Darth Maul's ended in Rebels, but like 
Ahsoka's continues on. And so you just see all the stuff she's been through that impact her decision-making now mm-hmm. or the lessons yeah. she's learned. Cause right. so often you see that of, Oh, it's an off screen lesson or an off, you know, things like that with Ahsoka, like you've seen so much of this stuff. And so like, it's become more of a, a, a living thing yeah. as it's gone along. Really cool to see on screen. So then we kind of, I mean, you mentioned some of that off screen development. We get Sabine in episode one, and we kind of learn through some of the context that Ahsoka has been training Sabine as her Padawan and apparently did not go well. We still don't know a lot of the details of what happened um, that'll be coming in the next few episodes, I'm sure. But they had some kind of falling out. Ahsoka basically left. And this is Sabine's, you know, side of the story that, that we've been hearing. So we'll find out soon enough what exactly happened. But Ahsoka basically left from training Sabine left her on the planet that uh, Ezra is from. Oh, Lothal. Lothal. Yeah, there you go. And so she's been kind of hanging out on Lothal, just like chilling and spending a lot of time thinking about what's what's going on. The interesting thing, I mean, like Sabine as a character is very, very interesting. I mean, you start out Rebels and you, you kind of maybe you have a different assessment, honestly. I'll ask you in just a second here. But to me, she seemed like a very secondary character. She was kind of just like an add-on almost in the first couple seasons. And then we get into like the Mandalorian arc in Rebels and like Sabine is like she's legit. Like she is a main character. She is almost expected to be a Mandalorian leader in in kind of that arc and she inherits the dark saber and she uses that and she goes through this a lot of responsibility that she didn't want kind of gets thrust into that leader role and that's where they end the show is ahsoka takes sabine to presumably go search for ezra which obviously we find out they didn't find ezra in this but it's just fascinating to me how she starts at this like very minor to me anyways almost non-relevant character to being a pretty focal point of it by the end of rebels so i don't know what what are your thoughts on sabine through rebels well i think that's kind of a little bit of the point like i think it being a rebels they kind of definitely set it up of just like hey we're following ezra but they also kind of in my opinion kind of kept it separate of everyone's stories that like you kind of learned about these people as Ezra kind of did as well. And cause like you saw that development for all of them. I mean, you knew Hera was the pilot, but like seeing who her dad was seeing everything, the growth she went through to be eventually become the general it's same with like Sabine, just kind of how you find out about like who her mom was, who her clan is and then her story. And then you get kind of the, the backstory on Jeb. It just, it, it kind of adds more to that story. Like it kind of, kept you in the dark of feeling like i don't know who any of these characters are and then as it kept going it kind of gave life to those characters and really spread out and developed those characters well i feel like it was kind of intentional on that to kind of be like i don't know how to feel about these certain characters but then kind of through the whole series of rebels it 
went kind of into those backstories and it, you know, really fleshed them out. It really suited Sabine leading into this show because, I mean, it's this is an Ahsoka show. It's obviously labeled Ahsoka. Most of it's going to be focused on her. But, man, it is taking a pretty big chunk and focusing on Sabine in these first couple episodes. So I think one of the coolest things about Sabine in these live action episodes so far is her intro when she is on the speeder bike and you just hear this like rock music. I was like, yeah, this is Sabine. Like this is, this is who she is. Like, that's so cool how they introed her like that. It was just perfect. All the little things that they kept from just her obsession with drawing. You see all the doodles everywhere. Still the, Uh the hair, the, everything's not just the standard colors of everything. Like she has her own, colors to everything from her speeder to her armor like all that still carried over and so like you very much see more you know her personality still coming through on that that was very cool to see you're like that's that's sabine like that's what you got in rebels and that just added to that character depth in this and it kind of carried over from rebels as well was her independent kind of like brash personality especially when she's like soka comes to find her about the star map she takes it. Ahsoka specifically is like, no, don't leave this ship. And she right, turns right. around and what do you know? Sabine's He's gone. gone. Right. <laughs> just, it was just perfect. I was like, man, that's that's just Sabine. Like, this is this is incredible. They're doing a great job of nailing the character of Sabine so far in these first couple episodes. And uh, Natasha Liu Bordizzo, don't know her at all, but she's doing a fantastic job as portraying Sabine agreed. through these yeah, first two agreed. episodes. Um, so yeah, and, and at the end of those, uh, second episode, we got the, she cut her hair off, kind of got back to the rebels, you know, short hair and she dons her Mandalorian armor, which was a really cool moment. You know, it, it, it was just something that she had stored away, something that she wanted to forget about. And now she finally is like, you know what, I need to basically face my past, face my fears and move on and and i need this stuff so one thing that i thought was so cool was they basically recreated the final scene from rebels in this episode two where they're in the kind of throne room thing where she painted the mural of of the ghost crew Mm -hmm. on the wall and she's like looking at that kind of reminiscing and she hears ahsoka's ship she turns around and ahsoka standing at the you know opening of the of the room and it was just like wow that was such a cool shot where they basically did a shot for shot recreation of that scene from rebels obviously ahsoka's not wearing the white gown with the staff or anything like that but it was just it was really cool how they recreated that really cool nod to the animated show well, not only that, but even the mural that they actually used, like, yeah. was the one from Rebels. Right, like, it's the one from Rebels. It's literal animation from Rebels. Yeah, like, was, that was really cool. They they did a fantastic job with that. There wasn't a whole lot that I don't like about these episodes. I'm trying to like think of something that I really didn't like, but there's not a whole lot. Is there anything that you picked out that you were like, eh, I don't know about that? I mean. The only thing that kind of bothered me was I think <laughs> I think they cut Sabine's hair too short. I think it <laughs> needed to be a little longer. I really liked how, but when she had her long hair, you see all the different colors through it. True. Yeah. And even in Rebels, when she has her short hair, you can see the flares of the different right. colors. Yeah, Whereas this, true. she cut her sh- hair short and it's just all purple now. Yeah. 
great. Whereas like in Rebels, it would purple, but then it had like the the white stripe. It, it, like it, you saw more of the color. No, Ezra's the one with the all purple hair, not not Sabine. <laughs> yeah, all natural purple hair apparently. Yeah. So does this mean you're going to go color your hair purple with like some orange streaks in it? Or <laughs> yeah, totally. That's that's going to be my <laughs> make new up look. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But no, there was there wasn't a whole lot that I was really that I didn't enjoy. Like there was so many little things or like even like the little Easter, like every scene that had a loth cat in it. I was like, Oh man, yeah. the loth yeah, cat. Okay. So fantastic. this is, this is, I'm going to go back to what I was saying earlier. The blend of like practical animation with CGI that they chose is perfect for that loth cat because there's something off about the loth cat, right? Like yeah. you look at it and you're like, this is like a pug. It's so right. ugly that it's cute. <laughs> right. Like I, I can't pro my brain can't process this. Do you, have you ever watched Mitchell's versus the machines? It's yeah. the one on Netflix. It's like the pug in that, like they can't, the robots see him and they can't process what the heck he is. <laughs> That's what I thought when I saw the locket. I was like, it's so ugly. It's cute. Right. Right. How does this work? <laughs> it's amazing. But they did such a good job and you could see that it's like, I have not done any research on this. So correct me if I'm wrong, but this looks like, it is a animatronic, um, it does, like practical yeah. effect. That's what it looks it like. Could, it could be completely CGI. I don't know. But yeah. it looks like it's an animatronic. Right. And that's Star Wars to me. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, give it to me. I love these loft casts. I love yeah. these things. Absolutely. <laughs> so fantastic. Yeah, it's just, there's so many, yeah, those little things that you're just like, you, you wouldn't think you'd like. But like you said, like, I don't really have much to pick on. Yeah, yeah. Of really like, don't. of something that's super glaring that i didn't like because like the only thing like i didn't like is that we didn't see maroc the inquisitor dude fly away with his hello lightsaber like uh, that was the only thing i really wanted right. but we didn't get <laughs> right. it so maybe next episode <laughs> maybe next episode and this could still happen later okay that was the last thing that i wanted to end on so at the at the end of the second episode we get a confrontation between ahsoka and maroc who balan uh, mentions to Shin earlier they're going to meet up with Merak on uh, Corellia. But, I mean, we don't know who this is. Like, he's dressed up in this armor. He's got an Inquisitor lightsaber. This could be anybody. Like, I've heard people speculate that this is this could be Ezra Bridger. And I'm like, well, that's a wild theory. But, right. I mean, at this point, we have no reason to even discredit that because we have no idea who this person is right do you have any theories on this person who is this who is merrick who do you well, think that is? for starters number one i'd be greatly disappointed if it was ezra but that would I don't, be weird yeah. i don't think it could possibly be ezra because like at the end of rebels ezra and thrawn got yeeted to the same place right you would think that if ezra found his way back that thrawn right. would have found thrawn his way back found his way too. back too right. right so a couple of the the theories because i was just looking at some recently and so some people were saying in Heir to the Empire, so granted this is Legends, so it's not current, but like Thrawn, I think it was Thrawn, yeah, he makes a clone of Luke Skywalker. So it's Luke with two U's in his name. And so it's basically a clone, which <laughs> is amazing. an evil Luke Skywalker. So some people are like, well, what if they go that route? The other one I've heard is, which would make more sense, because if you look at Mark's helmet, it doesn't look like there's any type of sight or anything. So some people are saying, what if the reveal would be it's a clone of Kanan Jarrus? 
Oh, oh, okay. I really like that, actually. <laughs> right. And so that like, would be sweet. Right. And because like some people have been saying, apparently, now granted, like we've been looking ahead on IMDb, apparently Freddie Prince Jr. is supposed to be in this hmm. and he voiced Kane and Jarrus. Yeah. So I think that's where some people are trying to come up with that theory that what if it's a Kane and Jarrus clone? That would be phenomenal. Which would also, which would also really tie in to get Ezra back, or Kane and Jarrus himself, right? Somehow, or if he's right, because like we saw him as a force ghost and everything, like he definitely didn't survive that explosion. (laughs) But like, that was one of the things I saw online that I'm like, that would actually that would be very interesting. So for those of you guys who have not seen Rebels, Kane and Jarrus, very prominent figure throughout the whole series, he becomes blind and then gets killed. But the blind thing, you know, with the visor helmet, like Zane was saying, doesn't seem to be any visual capability. But right. that, because I mean, it's Star becomes, Wars, you know. Right, it's Star Wars. But yeah, he becomes blind, but he sees stuff through the Force. Right. Which would yeah. then make sense with Mark, because it's like, how else would you see outside that helmet? You got to right. be seen with the Force. Yeah. So I guess, you know, there is some possible merit to that. But I, I suppose that's the one I'm like, I, I like the most, that that could right. be some sort of clone of Kanan Jars. Well, anyways, Merrick is very capable. I would not say he or she bests Ahsoka in combat, but he is at they. I, should, I don't know if this is a male or female. Right. They are about equal to Ahsoka in combat at that time and ends up escaping Ahsoka more so. Like Ahsoka's, Ahsoka's got Merrick on the run, basically, right. and they escape Ahsoka and I mean, we we aren't really given any other clues as to who Merrick could be or why they're in with Balin or, you know, how, how that whole connection works. I thought that was interesting because Merrick definitely seems to be an Inquisitor or was right. an Inquisitor. Balin is his own dude. Right. Like he's a mercenary. So I'm I'm really interested to see how that relationship started or or is maintained Um, because i feel like if the empire or whatever they're calling the underground empire at this point if they knew balin existed or were really big on him wouldn't they have either tried to recruit him or kill him if he didn't want to join up with them like i feel like they would have known about him at this point and and tried to get him either on their side or or got rid of him Right. So I'm really interested to see where this connection comes in. In that scenario, Merrick seems to be a former Inquisitor to me. Maybe he's current Inquisitor. I don't know. Who know? Who knows at this point? Very interesting. I think there's going to be some really cool stuff coming down the line with Ahsoka. First two episodes were phenomenal. I'm very excited about them. But I do want to hear from you guys. If you guys have not watched Clone Wars or Rebels, Make sure you let us know on social media or Infinity Bros Podcast at gmail.com. What did you think of the first two episodes of Ahsoka? Do you think there's too many references? Did everything go over your head? Was it just right? Uh, let me know what you think of this show. Really interested to see where this leads. And so far, it's shaping up to be a pretty good show. I'm glad they gave them a couple extra episodes. We got eight episodes 
this season to go through what a lot of people with the Disney Plus shows are saying the six episode format just didn't cut it. Like they're trying to cram too much into these six episode formats. So they stretched it out a little bit. See if we can kind of get a full storyline through those episodes. What are you excited for moving forward, Zane? Yeah, just seeing how this continues to you know grow i you know get ezra back i want to see jeb back like let's start you know get the whole crew back and yeah what does all this have in store because it's just like you're bringing in huge characters that could potentially you know set stuff up as the future of star wars that we're moving forward on now i'm excited to see all that in live action and to see where this is gonna go and lead i'm with you One thing I did want to mention, though, that I forgot to mention before. So Sabine and and Shin get into a lightsaber fight um, when Shin is taking the star map from Sabine. She gets stabbed in the stomach, which adds to the list of Star Wars characters that get stabbed in the stomach and still survive. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Force ghost Qui-Gon Jinn is just sitting on the sideline like, come on, guys. Like, how, how did I not survive getting stabbed in the well, stomach by, no, by Darth Maul. Quite guy got stabbed in the heart, not the stomach. His his a little bit more lethal, but yeah. when okay, when this is what I thought when when she got stabbed, it definitely seemed like it was upper abdomen like going into chest when she got stabbed. And then when later they show the scar, it's definitely like lower right side of the abdomen. And I was like Oh wow, they almost like seemed like they retcot that a little bit. Just the, yeah, see, the stab placement. I didn't get that though. Like okay. to me, watching it, it, I don't know. Maybe you just blinked at that scene or something. Maybe because when, maybe when I, I was did. watching it, it it legit looked like it was low. Because I was like, because it stabbed. You saw the lightsaber go through. And I'll watch it again. Because because we'll, we'll my that. first reaction to that was like, oh man, she's gonna have to get to a back to tank right away. Yeah. Because right. it, it, it wasn't like I, that. See, that's the other thing I thought, too. This is me and my registered nurse brain taking over in that moment. But in real life, you get stabbed in the stomach. That's like a massive deal because stomach bleeding is like like you die. You die if right. you get stabbed in the stomach, generally. Lightsabers seal wounds. We cauterize it. Right. We cauterize it. So you wouldn't really have a lot of bleeding. You might still get some organs messed up in there. Right. But you're not suffering internal bleeding necessarily. So an abdominal wound with a lightsaber, it's probably survivable. Unless you're like slashing your spine. That's a different issue. Unless your name's Darth Maul. Unless your name's Darth Maul. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's totally fine. (laughs) That is fine. That was just that was just his lower body. It's it's the upper body was fine. The force kept him together. So his force and his hatred of Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanks, Zane, uh, for all the Wonderful insight. In the first one two more, episodes actually, another thing since we're just talking about that scene. Mm-hmm. Another, right. I don't know if it was an Easter egg or just how it was, but like one thing I noticed from that fight scene. Now, granted, she's using Ezra's lightsaber, but did you notice they had her holding it? How you hold the dark saber? Really? Well, that yeah, doesn't surprise me. I mean, I didn't over. notice it, right? But I was just like, well, because that's been my thing of this whole scene. Like, get Sabine the dark saber. Like right. I would love to see if Ahsoka ends with Sabine. I, I know there's enough of the right. enough of like oh the Mandalorian stuff, but like right. it, it just seems the right thing to do because even what we had from the Mandalorian, because obviously Mando, you know, didn't care about the dark saber and everything with Bo Katan, but just like 
it just would be so cool to see Sabine use it. It would be sweet. I was just like, ah. It would be interesting to see how they handle that because, I mean, timeline-wise, this probably is about the same time as the last half of the Mando finale. And the last half of the Mando finale is probably within a couple days. So, like, you could easily say this is after the Mando finale. But with what happened to the Darksaber in Mando, who knows? I mean, the Darksaber played such a big part in that season that I would venture to say we're going to see it again. I I don't think that... But, hey, of everyone that we know that's super technical and could rebuild the Darksaber hilt... Yep. We know someone who could do that. Yes, we do. <laughs> like, Sabine Wren. That's right. Yeah, definitely a uh, possibility that Sabine could hold the Darksaber again. I'd love to I'd, see it. I'd say that would be sweet. That would be really cool. That would be very cool. That would be very cool callback to, to Rebels. And not that we're not going to see a lot of those in this right, show. Right, right. But again, I would, I would concur with the analysis that this is basically season five of rebels we pretty much pick off like i mean years in the future for sure but like honestly we pretty much pick up right from didn't even didn't even filoni say that that this is basically going to be season five of rebels i don't know i don't know if he did then i could i could have swore that that was a quote from someone that makes total sense if that's true so anyways tell us what you thought of episodes one and two of ahsoka zane thanks so much for hanging out with me today of course it's always always a good time when you get uh zane and isaac mess around yeah the night bros of the infinity (laughs) bros you can throw jared in there too he's he's got insomnia from drinking coffee and energy drinks after like 10 p.m so once in a while we might get jared to join us but thank you infinity bros universe wherever you're listening however you're listening thank you so much for making us a part of your day uh make sure to check out the infinity bros at the infinitybros.com or uh, any social media platform, we uh, will be happy to hear from you about Ahsoka episodes one and two. We love you, 3000. Have an amazing night, day, week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at the Infinity Bros. You can also check out our website at theinfinitybros.com for links, reviews, and sweet merch. Feel free to send us listener feedback via social media or email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com.